Hey guys, it is Jason, your host, Jason Coral, with Whatsoever is True. Thank you so much for listening. Today's episode, we're going to do another great chapters of the Bible. Now, I'm I'm not going to, you know, hopefully not in, indicating to you that you should just skim through the Bible and not read it. You know, and every chapter is important. All scripture is God-breathed and it's profitable for instruction and, uh, you know, and training in righteousness. Yes, indeed. In this case, what I want to do is I want to just go through some really big chapters that have some some rather famous events, and this is purely on my subjective, uh, you know, leanings, and it, I'm not following any order in the way that I'm doing this, and and that's uh, so it's a little, I'm having a little bit of fun. Uh, you'll also notice, like I don't have a, this this big intro for the podcast, and part of it is because I'm a technological knucklehead, and just getting the mic on and being able to talk with. Spe- Pretty much the, <laughs> the end of it was the end of my technological expertise, but I also want to just jump right into this. I'm I'm chomping at the bit. I'd like to get into it and get into the Word of God because if you don't know this already, if you haven't listened to the other podcasts, I think that knowing the Word of God is the critical key in in applying it, which is the critical key in having a good life and in, in solving our problems and knowing the will of the Lord. And in, and in doing it and believing in Jesus Christ is, is central to the Christian life. So let's jump into it. I've got 2 Samuel 12. And if you aren't familiar with that off the top of your head, that is basically when Nathan the prophet comes to David. So first thing to notice about this passage is that the, the office of prophet and the office of, of, of king are separate, even in the Old Testament. There is a separation of those offices today of the church and the state, and they were the same thing in the Old Testament. So we might say that Israel was a theocracy, but we do remember that God didn't want a king, uh, that kings were not in Israel. A big state or king, the, the Israelites went to Samuel and said, hey, we want a king like the nations around us, like the heathen nations around us. And God was very angry with them, and even goes back to Gideon, when, when the Jews came to him and said, hey, you be king, we'll make you king and your son after you and, you and his son after him. And Gideon doesn't just decline the honor. He says, basically, you don't have a right to do that. There's been no kings over God's people. And that's what the sinners want. Sinners don't want God over them. They want them over them. They want to be their own God. Well, that's not possible because we're limited. And so we then try to transfer that that worship of ourselves to the worship of a king, right? So that's kind of where that's going. And you see it really play out. That was a foreshadowing with Samuel and, and the people and, and anointing a king over them like the heathen nations. You see that at Jesus' trial. When Pilate brings him out, he says, you want me to sac- to crucify your king? And the, and, the, and the Jewish leaders cry back, no, we have no king but Caesar. So... That's the question always before us: is who's our king? We see that in the in the in the, in the politics of today in America. Is that America doesn't seem to know anymore that there is a separation of church and state. They say it meaning that that the that state should be all powerful and the church should just shut up. Uh, but that is actually not a biblical separation of church and state. And incidentally, it is the Bible that separates those two. And even here, you see Nathan coming to David. Now, this is a sketchy bit of business for Nathan because he's going to the king and he's going to preach to him. And his own personal sin is coming. So, and the Lord sent Nathan, this is verse 1, to David, and came to him and said to him, There were two men in a certain city, 
the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had many, very many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing but one little, little, little lamb, okay? Uh, so this is an amazing thing right here. As Nathan comes in, he tells him his story, which he had, which he had bought. So this guy is one, one little poor lamb, which he'd bought, and he brought it up, and it grew up with him and with his children. It used to eat of his morsel and drink from his cup and lie in his arms. And it was like a daughter to him. Now, this is kind of peculiar. You know what I mean? <laughs> what, a, what a strange thing to bring to the king. This guy really, he just really loves his lamb. All right. Now, there came a traveler to the rich, uh, to the rich man, and he was unwilling to take one of his own flock or herd to prepare for the guests who would come to him. But he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who would come to him. You see what happens is this one guy, he's got plenty of stuff, plenty of lambs, and instead of sacrificing one of his own for a traveler, he goes and takes the one lamb that this guy has, that he adores. So then David's anger was greatly kindled against the man, and he said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, the man who has done this deserves to die. And he shall restore the lamb fourfold, because he did this thing, and because he had no pity. All right, now we know where this is going, right? We know what happened. David David had an affair with Bathsheba. He's the king of Israel. Uh, Bathsheba was the wife of one of his generals, uh, Uriah. So this is clearly you know, an, an incredible sin. Um, so when David says this, the man deserves to die, and then he notices that the guy had no pity, Right? Nathan says to him, David said to David, Nathan said to David, you are the man. Wow. Straight to his face to the king. You're the man. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel. And then he hits him with the full weight of, of what he's saying. Nathan is saying this not on his own personal judgment, but God's judgment against David. He says, I anointed you over, uh, you king over Israel. And I delivered you out of the hand of Saul. And I, and I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your arms and gave you the house of Israel and of Judah. And if this were too little, I would add to you as much more. That's an amazing line there. And I, if that was too little, I, I would have added even more. Why have you despised the word of the Lord to do what is evil in his sight? Um... That's another great line right there. Why have you despised the word of the Lord? You see what happens with sin is sin is really a, a, an animosity towards the word and the, and the, and the, the will of God. We, 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 you shouldn't look at this as if this is some sort of benign thing that kind of happens to us. Okay? You have struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and have taken his wife to be your wife and have killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. In other words, David had a conspiracy uh, he didn't do it himself, but he, he, he ordered it, and he basically ordered the murder of, of a man who was an honorable man, who was serving him justly. Now, therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house, because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against you out of your own house, and I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor, and he shall lie with your wives in the sight of this son. For you did it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel 
and before the sun. Um, all right, let me pause there and let's 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 contemplate this. Let's see what's going on. This is a massive, massive issue. First of all, David has all the power in Israel, and this should be very instructive to us because oftentimes we think that if we could just get our way in life and we can get rid of our external obstacles, whether we it, we don't have enough money, uh, our job is terrible, we have some type of restriction. It's very common for us to focus on that restriction and think to ourselves, if I just got rid of that, or there's one thing you can't have, you just want that thing. And it's very common to go, if I can just have that, then I'm going to be good. I'm going to be happy. The, the problem with that is that's not biblical. Our problem is sin. Our answer is Christ. Our portion is God. You know, the Lord is our portion. Our inheritance is the Lord. So to be clear on this, this is the issue. David had everything in the world he wanted, and he had power. We have to remember that the sin of adultery and then the sin of murder are not disconnected. You see, in this passage, they're not disconnected. They're actually one and the same. All sin left unchecked, if we have the power for it, will lead to murder. Because we have to get rid of the evidence. This is God's moral universe. And, if, and, and follow it this way. When Jesus Christ came to earth, we, we murdered him. We will we, tolerate anything, any kind of foolishness, except for this foolishness that, that we're sinners and that, that we deserve to die for our sin. Okay? That's that's the funny thing about this whole thing. That's the irony of the, the gospel, the stumbling stone. That stumbling stone is that we don't want to admit, not that just, as you'll hear it all the time, well, nobody's perfect, but they assume that their heart is basically good. Yeah, I'm, I mean well. And you hear it all the time. That guy would give you the shirt off his back. Okay, that's one that's nice, but according to what context? That's nice. I'm, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. But if you misconstrue that, say, well, that person was very nice, and he'd give a stranger a ride, and he'd do this or that or other thing, that's, that's wonderful. But if you mean by that 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 person was basically good, that's unbiblical. No, that person's basically a sinner. And the thing is that David takes Bathsheba, and then he ends up killing Uriah because he had the power to do it. Oftentimes, great sin in our life isn't there because we don't have the ability to do it. That's the scary thing to have to admit. Ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't ever thought of this, wherever you are right now, if you're driving, if you're walking, if you're doing your exercises, if you're mowing the yard, whatever it is you're doing, if you don't understand this point, you need to consider it because this is the biblical point. If you, A lot of times, if you're given the things you really want in life outside of Christ, you will use those things to destroy yourself in sin. That's, that's the fact. That is a fact. If you think you need more political liberty, more than Jesus Christ, if you think you need more money than Jesus Christ, you think you need a, a spouse, you know, you're lonely, or whatever it is you think you need, this will correct you, this will fix you, that thing, if you got it, would be horrible. It's sort of the, the, the paradox there of, of you can become frustrated if you can't get what you want, and you be you can be bored if you if you do get it. Well, that's true. You can get bored because the issue here is so simple. David has a sin problem, and when David was not out with his troops, when David was not actively engaged in his life of doing something productive, he was just hanging around the palace, and that's when he sees Bathsheba. He was a man without the discipline and the restrictions that oftentimes inhibit sin and, and, and limit sin. So he was unlimited, and so he did some great sin. 
So you can read this and go, my goodness, David committed adultery and murder. Yeah, adultery and murder. Um, and you think, wow, that's amazing. And you can kind of stop thinking at that point. We would do that if we had the ability outside of Christ. It, I've had people say this to me because I'm known as, obviously, people ask me a lot of biblical questions. I'm, 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 I'm a Bible teacher at my church, and, and people will come to me and ask me Bible questions all the time, and, and, and I love talking about the, the Word. And somebody actually messaged me the other day and said, they can't wait to come in and, and talk with me again because every time they talk to me, it's a Bible study. It's an impromptu Bible study. And I thought, what a wonderful compliment. But then pride could seep in. I go, see, I'm a wonderful man. <laughs> Aren't I awesome, right? <laughs> you think about this passage. David was awesome. David was a sinner. We have to be very careful with this because wherever we go, there's our sin. And if, if we unhook from the word of the Lord and the disciplines that keep us, we could do this and worse. Right? Because somebody had said to me a while back about that, well, I, you know, you'd never do that. Are, are you kidding me? My answer to that is I could do worse. Right now in America, we get this big thing going on about all, all the virtue signaling and and people feeling good about themselves because they're against this or that. And they're really happy pointing their moral finger at everybody else. And you see that with David. David, with anger, this is verse 5, was greatly kindled against a man. And he said to Nathan, as the Lord lives. Right? He's, he's proclaiming the word of the Lord. Don't forget this. Before Nathan drops a bomb on him, David's David says this, as the Lord lives, the man who has done this deserves to die because he had no pity. David declares judgment in the word of the Lord despite the fact that he was an adulterer and murderer. Right? That's what's going on in the world. If you're wondering where all of these more, the moral condemnation is coming in and, and it's leading to more and more strife, more and more conflict. They're not fixing problems. They point out problems. We're masters. All of us are black belts. All of us are experts at pointing out the moral failings and flaws of others. What we don't want to do is look in the mirror. David was an adulterer and a murderer, ladies and gentlemen, and yet he dares in verse 5 to say, as the Lord lives, the man who has done this deserves to die. That is an extraordinary indictment against all of our self-righteousness, all of it. This is why when Nathan says to David, you are the man, thus says the Lord. That's why we need to be very careful passing judgments on one another outside of the Lord, outside of the word of the Lord. Now, people will come back, and I've covered this in other podcasts, but they say, well, you know, you're arrogant. You Christians are arrogant because you're telling, telling us what's true. We're telling you what the Lord says. That's not arrogant. In fact, that's the ultimate form of humility. Nathan comes in, ultimate form of humility. David's the arrogant one. David's the arrogant one. David was assuming absolute power, which is what sin is. Sin is the principle of I have power over morality. I have the authority. And the fact that you're not king, my dear listener, <laughs> limits your ability to really sin. So don't read this and go, wow, what a bonehead David was. That's what I did when I was a young man. And I ended up walking away from the faith for a while because I was confused. You know, I got converted when I was 13. I get into that some other time. And and I thought maybe I was converted because I was slightly better than the rest of those immoral boneheads, right? I mean, I wasn't going to say that, but that's kind of my, uh, you know, my MO. And you read this and you think when I, you know, when I was younger, I think, well, what an idiot David was. I can't believe David did that. Well, because I'm not being honest with my own sin, my own heart, right? Psalm 19, 
who can discern his errors? Right? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Isn't that an incredible psalm? So, please remember that this this is not a this is not a a just a chance happening. This is the outworkings of sin. And David, so if you think that you're going to get this great job, you're going to get this this great house, you're going to get this great something, and it's going to fix your problems. No, it won't. It'd be a wonderful thing to have in the Lord. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that health, prosperity, and, and, and are bad things. I'm saying in the Lord, they're great things. Outside of the Lord, we'll just use them for sin. We'll destroy ourselves with them. So, we'll pick it up and, said, uh, and, and go back to Scripture. And now, after David has been hammered, remember the Lord said, You did this secretly. I will judge you openly. Now, that should be a very big, very, very big caution for all of us is that sin is doing things secretly we do it on the side right and that's one of the reasons like social media and the internet so what has helped us go along with our sins we have the ability to we think to do things privately you know the the we don't have any private chambers the creature god sees everything and and so it's a caution for you that if you're if you're dabbling in some kind of sin you don't think god sees it um, that, that's a horrible thing. You, you need to be very careful uh, and you need to repent of that because the judgment for these sins is to be brought out in the open. God is not going to, in patience, he, he will rebuke you privately. If he's going to judge the sin, he needs to, he's going to drag it into the light of day. And so, you know, you imagine if you're struggling with a little bit of sin on the side, I know some of you guys have porn problems and, and those kind of things out there. Think about doing everything you can to be open and honest, making sure other people have access to your accounts, that so you're not privately looking at the internet, those kind of things. Take action. Do it now. David should have gotten out of his palace and he should have gotten his, his, his lazy bum out to the field and been busy. Joseph's best defense against Potiphar's wife trying to sexually assault him was what? He ran. This is serious business. Serious business. Uh, David did not lose his salvation, guys, but he was publicly embarrassed in, in an epic scale. Epic scale. So don't play around with this. This is a cautionary tale for Christians that God will privately rebuke you in certain sins, but if, if you persist in these sins and he loves you and he will bring it to the in a way that will help you deal with the sin, will, will make you deal with the sin. And if, So you want to fan into flame the, 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 the love that God has poured into your heart through Christ Jesus. Don't dabble in sin. Don't think it's private. Be open. Be open, be open, be open. Have a, have a Christian mentor. Have a Christian brother or sister that's going to hold you accountable. Don't think you can get away with things in private and it's not going to impact you. God was watching David. Now, if, imagine if you were in David's court and you knew what was going on. You, maybe you were the dude that went to get Bathsheba. And you're thinking, well, this is terrible. This guy names the name of the Lord. And this is what he's doing. This is what he's doing, and he ends up, Uriah's dead? What a jerk. And this could have easily led to the blasphemy of, uh, the, the blaspheming of God and people going, David's God's God. After everything God has given David, this is what he does. God, God's not God. God's not a just God. So God in this, the kind of the economical structure of his judgment is he needs to judge David publicly because David sinned in such a way that dishonored him. So in this case, remember that what we do privately has eternal consequences. Um, all right, so 
David then said to Nathan, and this is the big, this is it. This is what we do. Whenever, anytime we ever fail and we're brought back to judgment, David doesn't say, how dare you, Nathan, come in here and tell me, presume to tell me what the Lord says. That's what sinners always do. You don't have a right to do that. They're mad at you. David doesn't do that. He says, and imagine the weight of this line, I've sinned against the Lord. What, a, what an admission. He could have had Nathan killed and he didn't do it. And this is, this is, testimony to the heart of David repentance and then Nathan said to David the Lord also has put away your sin you shall not die oh, what mercy it's oftentimes that we think of the God of the Old Testament as being the mean nasty God and then Jesus is this like sort of namby pamby kumbaya God and that's not true I mean you look at the mercy of God here and and I mean you see Ananias and Sapphira you see Jesus in Revelation you know or, one, two, and three. Jesus Christ and God are one, are one, and there's no contradiction. There's no dichotomy between them, and we see that here, where judgment comes to David. David repents, and then God forgives him. But nevertheless, because of this, because by this deed you have utterly scorned the Lord, the child who is born to you shall die. Then Nathan went to his house. Now, also, we go back, and the sword doesn't depart from David's house. A lot of strife happens in your homes because of sin. I know that's a tough one to, to, to hear, and I'm not sure where you are in your life. And, and if you're a young person and you're not married and you're thinking of this, it should really compel you to wait in the Lord and develop godly character and to find a spouse of like character, godly character. Do they talk about the Lord? Do they pray? Do they want to hear about the Lord? Okay. You may have some trouble getting into the Bible. It may be difficult for you, but then you hear podcasts like this and you go, wow, this is great. You know, and the word of the Lord, you're receptive to it. David was receptive to the word of the Lord. Uh, if you don't, remember the Lord, I'm going to wrap up with this, is that there's just so much to say about this, obviously, and I'm not doing all of chapter 12 here. It's just this part is so impactful for us, is that David continues to pay for that sin. Now, remember, David is, a, is obviously a believer. So this, this comes to us in this way. We can often get, times get confused that, that your sin is put away from you. But that doesn't mean there will not be earthly consequences to certain sins. So you want to be, you, we want to understand this. Is that one of, the, one of the graces, this is a grace of God, that the reasons that sin has such terrible consequences is as a buffer against doing them. Your sin will impact other people. And David's sin set his family and his nation, because he had the power over them, into a, a, a civil war. They had, uh, David's family up to this point is not a very happy, you know, leave it to beaver, Brady Bunch type of family. Uh, and, and I don't know where people get this when they say, well, you know, Christians are always talking about, you know, everybody's going to be happy and everybody's going to get along. And that, that's not true. They haven't read, read the scripture. David's sin opens the door for God's judgment. And there's, and there's, there's consequential wrath on these, on these sins. And they, they follow him in the rest of his, his, his reign as king and, and as a father. And it's terrible. David, in fact, in many ways, is a terrible failure in that regard, as a, as a leader in his home. Um, he doesn't have a great legacy, Absalom and all of that. He doesn't have a great legacy as a father in his home. 
Jesus Christ is a lone hero of the Bible in this regard. The Bible doesn't mince words about finding a king that is going to be a perfect king. You're gonna, we have the perfect king in Jesus Christ, guys. So if you think it's going to be somebody in Washington, somebody you're going to vote for that's going to fix all of our problems, or some job you're going to get, or you're going to win the lottery, whatever it is that's in your heart, watch that. That is the seed of sin lurking inside of you. And, and what you need is the Lord. That's what Jesus, when, 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 when Nathan says, says to David in the Lord, and, and I would have given you more. If you're struggling right now, and you're hearing this, you can hear my voice, and you're struggling with something, the devil will come to you and he will point out the struggles. He will say, yeah, yeah, that is real, dude. That's terrible. And it will be, it probably will be real. It will be, it will be tough. But his solution to it will always be sin. His solution will be to not honor God, not wait on God. God is a source of all good and perfect things. If he, if he, it, it doesn't mark the man or the woman. What you doing at the peak? You're going to be in the valley, and sometimes that valley could be boredom, could be lone, uh, loneliness, it could be it could be economic struggle, unemployment, illness, any number of those things. That valley. It matters what you do in that valley. Keep walking in the Lord. He will make straight your paths. Have your delight in the Lord. And so you want delight in sin. The answer to habitual sin is to delight in the Lord. Know how great the Lord is. And, and he rewards those who seek him. Your reward is not in sin. That's what David got. David had the fleeting pleasures of the, of the flesh. And then he had acrimony, war, obviously death, uh, public shame. All of those things are terrible. So if you are struggling with any kind of sin, consider that and consider how terrible it is, terrible it is to be playing with sin. It is not something to be played with. You're literally lighting matches sitting in a haystack. Don't do it. Run from it. Be like Joseph. And when you, and, and you can, the contrast of Joseph to David there is that Joseph was a slave, right? In Potiphar's house. David was a king. Joseph resisted sexual temptation uh, and, and David didn't. You would have thought that Joseph would have been far better off I'm sorry, if he'd been king, right? If he, if he was, if, they, if, if David had been a slave in, in Saul's house, you think he, he would have sinned sexually? I, I don't know. But what happens is that you get power. A lot of times you get what you think you want and it takes your eyes off the Lord because now you don't think you're dependent. But, but ladies and gentlemen, and this is, I'll wrap this up right now, we're always dependent on the grace of God. The minute we lose sight of that, we're in real danger. The devil will sift us like wheat. All right. Hope this was helpful and, 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 and impactful and, and, and inspires you to love the Lord and to love his word and, and, and to search his word for truth and, and for direction in life and for clarity because it's in there. It is in there and I, I, I can't extol the, the, the scriptures enough to you. I'm so happy and so humbled to be able to offer these things to you. Hopefully you like it. And again, I'm your author and uh, your host, Jason Coral, Whatsoever is True. Uh, please, please check out my blog, whatsoeverstrue.com. And I've also on Facebook, whatsoeverstrue. And I've got some other stuff on there. Check them out. And hopefully that will all be edifying for you and, and, and help you to deepen your faith and understanding of the Lord Jesus Christ and glorify him in all things that you do. Catch you next time, guys.